we're going to do is we're going to um, we're going to be learning, uh, continuing to learn Tehillim, uh, which we started last week, and uh, and what I thought might be nice would be um, since I think when people think of learning Tehillim, they also want to think about it as a as an experience of tefillah because. Normally, when we read daily, let's say because somebody is sick or in the context of services, a lot of our services, I mean, pretty much every tefillah has some tehillim that are said. In Shacharit, there's a lot of tehillim that are said. In the beginning, Sukkot is a lot. And at the end, there's, a, there's more. So it's really full of tehillim. And if you think about it, pretty much every tefillah has at least some, even something as basic as ashray. We always have ashray, or we always have uh, some mizmor of the holiday, if it's a holiday, or mizmor shel yom shabbat if it's Shabbat, or if it's arvit shel Um So there, so these mizmorim are woven into our tefillot as well. And in addition to being prayers that are the go-to prayers when we have a difficulty in our lives, or when we want to be able to um, add something. So the regimen of the tefillot and the schedule of the tefillot that we normally say. So I thought it might be meaningful to, as I mentioned in the chat, uh, last week was kind of an introduction. So we focused on the very first Mizmor, which is David Melech's introduction to the book, where he speaks about orienting your life based on your understanding of God's truth and not based on the opinions um, of other people. Which I, I think is so important because, but but beyond that, like I was saying, because people use Tehillim as a type of prayer, not just as a text of study, even though it's part of the Tanakh, which means it's a text for studying, but it's also a prayer. And it's written in poetic verse. Like we have Tehillim that looks like this, but actually if you open up a Sefer Tehillim that's written on a scroll, it's written the way Shirah is written. It's written in the song form, where the, where the lines are separated out, like the way a, a song would be written, because it's supposed to be poetry. And so it's an experience of Tehillim. So what is the experience that it's supposed to uh, create for a person? Not just what does the text mean? So there's a learning aspect, but obviously the fact that it's written to engage us on an emotional level, on a psychological level, David HaMelech is saying, I'm going to help you create a framework for looking at life which is rooted in the, the, the wisdom of Hashem. That's what the purpose of Tehillim is, to give you a way to uh, frame your experiences, like we said last time, that it's not something borrowed or something that is the, the result of the influence of others, but something that comes from the same truth that the Torah comes from. And that's why the rabbis always say that David HaMelech's five books of Tehillim, like I mentioned last week, uh, are representative of the five books of the Torah and that David HaMelech said, could you make it that uh, studying of Tehillim or reading Tehillim would be equivalent to learning Halakha? There's a Midrash that says that David HaMelech asked Hashem, could you make the reading of Tehillim equivalent to studying the laws of purity and impurity or studying the most difficult laws of the Torah? Meaning that there's an element of in internalizing a viewpoint, a, a, a Jewish viewpoint, a, 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 a holy viewpoint on life through the Tehillim. So how does that work? So let's take a look first at um, Kuf Kaf Aleph, which is on, in this book, it's on page Resh Kaf Chet. This does not have, um, this book doesn't have English numbers, unfortunately, but it's, uh, it, it's the, the number of the uh, of the Mizmor is Kuf Kaf Aleph. It's very famous. Everybody knows it probably by heart or close to that. Shir la Ma'alot. A song la Ma'alot for the ascent, for the ascents. 
So there's a lot of discussion what these Shir Hama'alot and Shir Lama'alot refer to. Does it refer to musical indication that you're supposed to sing it in a, uh, you know, in a, different, uh, in a different way, that it's referring to the, the way that it was chanted? Is it referring to the Ma'alot, the steps that the Levi'im would stand on in the Beit HaMikdash when they would sing these songs because a lot of them were sung as part of the service in the Beit HaMikdash? There's a lot of discussion what Shir Lama'alot or Shir Ha'ma'alot means. I don't want to focus on that too much, but let's get the sense of what it's about. Because we read this one all the time, right? We read this every Shabbat and all the time. Actually, it's in, the, it's in Arvit. If you go to any Arvit service during the week, they say it. Shila Malot, Esa Enayel Harim. I raise my eyes to the mountains, may I in your voice, where will my help come from? Very famous. Okay, even the line is famous. Okay, even I think uh, there's songs made out of this line, right? Esa Enayel Harim, may I in your voice, my help comes from Hashem, the maker of heaven and earth. Now, remember that you have to, you have to remember that the Levim are singing this. And a lot of times, not only were they singing it, but it was responsive singing. So you could see that a lot of times, these Mizmorim are split into half verses. Meaning it's almost like, And you can imagine everybody would, would respond, there's like a there's a, a balance in the cadence and the rhythm of the mizmor also. So he so it says al yiten he will not allow your foot to falter. Al the one who guards you will not sleep. It's interesting. Who's he talking to now? The author of the mizmor sounded originally like he was talking about himself. I raise my eyes to the mountains. Why is looking to the mountains? I don't know. What does he think is going to happen from the mountains? But may I never Where is my help going to come? He's speaking first person, right? But then he says in the second person, he's saying to someone else, He's not going to allow your foot to falter. Your guardian will not sleep. Who's you? I thought you were talking about me. Right? In other words, in the beginning, it's speaking from a first person. Then it switches. Behold, he doesn't slumber and he doesn't sleep. Shomer Yisrael, the guardian of Israel, which is talking about Hashem. Hashem is the guardian of Israel. Hashem shomorecha. Hashem guards you. Hashem tzilecha al yadiminecha. Hashem is your shadow over your right hand, which means he protects you. He preserves your strength. Yad yaminecha, even if you're a lefty, okay? I apologize if anyone listening is a lefty. That's fine too. We accept lefties. But... The, uh, but the, the Yad Yamin is all, always a reference to strength because it's associated with strength. Hashem is the one who protects your strength. Yad Yamin, uh, he's, he, he, he's the one who enables you to have strength. He's Tzilchad Yad Yaminecha. Yomam Hashem Eshlo Yekeka. The sun will not strike you during the day V'yoreach Balayla, nor the moon at night. Okay, notice that there's a lot of naturalistic references here. There's a looking up at the mountains. There's a looking up at the sun. Well, obviously you're not supposed to look directly at the sun. Everyone knows that, right? And there's a looking up at the moon. And what did it say before? Ezrimei Mashem Oseh Shamayim Ba'aretz. You have to realize that the Tehilim are constructed very, very carefully. Very, very... With, with You know, every word, obviously, every... Every phrase is very carefully chosen. And so the fact that the person is looking up to the, to the mountains and then is thinking about the sun and the moon, and it says, Hashem is Oseh Shamayim Baretz. Hashem is the one that makes the heavens and the earth. So that sun and moon, or those mountains, are all creations of Hashem. 
Hashem yishmorcha mikorah. Hashem is going to guard you from all evil. Yishmor et nafshecha. He will guard your soul. Hashem yishmor tzitcha uvoicha me'atavirad olam. Hashem will guard your going out and coming in. Going out refers to like where you go out to. Could be going out to war, conquering the world, or could just be going out to do whatever practical things you need to do. And when you return home, me'atavirad from now on forever. What verb repeats again and again and again in this in this paragraph? There's one verb that appears multiple times, okay? Many times here we can count. One, two, three, four, five, six times it appears in this more of the same word. Lishmor, to guard, okay? To, to guard. And the whole message is really about protection because even the idea of Hashem is your shadow, tzilcha, right? He's the one who protects you, he's the one who's your shadow, al yadiminecha. There's, and he, so it uses the idea of Ezri, your help. What's the difference between La'azor and Lishmor? To, to help and to guard. What are these two things? What are these two things that we ask for from Hashem? What's the difference between helping and guarding? Practically speaking, what's the difference? Does the guard of the school help you teach? Does the guard of the synagogue help you pray? No. Well, in a way, maybe. In a way, maybe you could say yes. Right? Because... That guard protects your ability to do what you need to do, right? By preventing interference, let's say, preventing any threats to you. That's lishmor. To guard means to prevent threat, to prevent interference, to prevent, prevent any kind of harm. But la'azor, to help, means to add to the actual process. In other words, somebody who comes in and assists you with what you're doing, facilitates what you're doing, that's ezra, that is help. Okay, so these two verbs are the ones that are very prominent here in this mizmor, the idea of la'azor, to help, and the shmor, to, 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 to guard. Okay, and the person asks, me'ayin yavo ezri, where will my help come? Ezri me'im Hashem, Hashem my help comes from Hashem who created the universe. Nothing in the world that He won't allow me to falter. Now, it seems like almost... The, the, the author of the Mizmor shifts talking almost to himself. Either the author is talking to himself because in the beginning he says, where is my help? And then he says, your help is from Hashem. So either he's speaking to himself and reassuring himself. Don't we do that sometimes? Don't you talk to yourself sometimes? And you have a conversation with yourself? Oh, I'm very worried about this. Yeah, but I shouldn't worry because of this reason. He could be talking to himself or it could be that he's exemplifying what people would say to a person in his situation, or it could be that he was giving an example of what somebody might say and he's answering them, right? In other words, he starts out by giving an example of what somebody might be saying, and now he's giving the answer. Or it could be that he was really saying, who's going to help me? And then he's echoing what people would answer. But the point is that he's looking around at things that are very imposing. He is looking up at the mountains. He's looking to see if any if anyone around him or anything around him can help, can help him, can protect him. When he's feeling, obviously the person who says, may I in your feels what? If a person is saying, where will my help come from? And he's concerned about guard, who his guardian is, what does he think? What, what, what kind of situation is he in? What kind of situation are you in when you're wondering who's going to help you? 
you feel hopeless or you feel you feel vulnerable you feel help the person's vulnerable the person is lacking a, a sense that they're able to do it on their own they're looking for somebody else to step in and assist them they're looking for somebody else it's like a person who's lost and kind of hoping they'll run into somebody that can tell them how to get back to where they need to go like they're wandering around they don't know or a person's having difficulty with something and they're just hoping someone will show up and help them i remember when i was a kid it's a true story I was a kid and I was studying, I had a Navi test actually, and I was like, I, I, I don't know why, but I, had, I was having a really hard time preparing for this exam. And I tried asking people and I couldn't get through to anybody. And you know, people didn't have cell phones back then, you had to actually see them or call them or whatever. Couldn't get anybody to help me. And so I was kind of about to give up. And all of a sudden there was a knock at my door, it was like 10 o'clock at night. It was a rabbi from my school who said, you know, I thought maybe you would need some help with, uh, with the test, you know, to prepare for the test. I came to help you. Out of nowhere he came. I didn't even call him. I didn't even ask him. Right? So sometimes a person, you're in a situation where you do everything that you can to try to get things under control and you're looking for someone to get you out of the, uh, out of the situation and, and all of a sudden someone shows up at the right time. Okay? That can obviously be Hashem sending you a, a assistance in the form of that person. But the point is that Someone who's saying, where will my help come from, is somebody who feels desperation, somebody who feels unable to make it on their own, somebody who is looking for some external agent to either assist them with what they're doing or protect them and make them feel safe. Okay, we've all been in situations like that where maybe we feel vulnerable, maybe we feel worried, maybe we don't feel safe. Or maybe we feel incompetent to a task that is in front of us and we're not sure if we're going to be able to, uh, you know, to meet the requirements of that task and really carry it out properly. And so we are feeling in need of that assistance. So the person is saying, where is my help going to come? I look at the mountains. So this person must be in a valley or something. If they have mountains around them, I suppose they must be outside or somehow they can see mountains. But the idea is you look around and what happens in the movies? You know, somebody's in trouble and all of a sudden coming down from the mountains are like, you know, the cowboys are coming on their horses. I don't know. They, they didn't have movies back then and they didn't have cowboys. But the idea that you're looking around to see if anyone on earth is going to come and help you. So you look up to the mountains and see, is anybody coming down from that mountain who might be able to help me? You know, is, is the right person going to show up at the right time? It says, no, my help comes from Hashem who made the heavens and earth. Not from the earth itself. Not from anything in this, in this world, but from Hashem who made the earth. And it, my protection is not going to come from someone who is limited in their ability to protect. That's why it says, He doesn't sleep. He doesn't slumber. He guards you and, he's, he, and he protects the strength of your right hand. In other words, He enables you, He gives you the strength and the capacity to carry out the, the actions that you need to carry out. In the daytime, the sun will not hurt you and the moon won't hurt you at night. That's a, you know, I, I don't know if I take that literally because I'm not so sure that that means that that's meant to be taken literally. I'm not sure. Like, is the person really worried that the sun is going to harm them or the moon is going to? Why would you think the moon is going to harm you? I never heard anybody being worried about the moon harming them. People walk outside and nobody was afraid of the moon. The sun maybe could beat down on you, right, and be overwhelming. The moon, I, I've never heard anybody intimidated by the moon, but my, my sense is that what it means is that forces that seem very formidable to you, that seem very 
overwhelming and intimidating to you won't be able to get at you. You know, I don't think that it's literally talking about somebody afraid of the sun. That, it could be that it's also referring to the idea that the elements in the environment won't harm you. But saying that, in, that the things that, come, that cause you distress, that overwhelm you, that intimidate you, won't be able to harm you because Hashem will guard you and Yishmor Nafshecha. He will guard your soul. He will guard your going out and coming in from now and forever. What is the idea here? The idea is that a person who is in a situation that they feel need, is in a situation that they should feel vulnerable, should not look for another human being to be their source of security or their source of reassurance. They shouldn't look for another human being to be their salvation, their savior. They should realize that Hashem has given them the ability, that if they trust in Hashem, He's given them the ability to overcome whatever difficulties are in their way. And I think that's the idea of reading this. When a person reads Tehillim, it helps you look at the world differently. It's saying, don't look for a savior. Don't look for somebody who's going to be a protector, who's going to be a savior. Realize that Hashem has given you more tools than you realize. In other words, more tools than you normally recognize are really made available to you by Hashem. He doesn't sleep and he doesn't slumber. He's always on the job, which means there's always a, an avenue toward success. There's always a way for you to rise above the circumstances and the obstacles in front of you. But if you're looking for a savior to come riding down the mountain on a white horse and pick you up, it's not going to happen. That's not, that's not the way it's going to happen. You have to recognize that Hashem is constantly there to enable you, to protect you and to enable you to succeed. But you have to look at the world from that vantage point. You can't look at the world that I'm waiting for the person who's going to do. The, you know, the, the worst thing you can do is wait for somebody to do something for you. Right? Anytime you have a task that needs to be done and you wait for somebody else to do it, it never gets done. At least that's in my experience. In my experience, whenever I've had something that I wait and wait and wait, oh, this person said they're gonna do it, this person said they're gonna help, so I'm just gonna wait for them, you know, because they said they're gonna help. But never happens. Never happens. You have to take the initiative to get things moving in your life. And I think that's, you know, and you actually read this in Arvit, maybe because Arvid is a time where people feel the most vulnerable. You know, nighttime. That's why it says, Hinelo yanum velo yishan. Hashem doesn't sleep. Meaning, this is the time a person feels the most vulnerable, the least protected. When you go outside at night, you feel the least safe. Okay? Especially if you think back to those times. They didn't have electric lights. They didn't have... Any, at night, it was really dark. And it could be very scary at night. And so a person feels the least protected at night. And they should know that Hashem is, is, is present for them at all times. And Hashem's presence doesn't always manifest itself in the way that you would think. And this is something that we learned about when we studied Shara Bitachon, when we, when we studied Shara Bitachon during the uh, heart of the pandemic, during the real lockdown, when we were learning it on Zoom, that, that real Bitachon doesn't mean I trust that Hashem is going to save me the way that I dictated the terms. It doesn't mean that Hashem is going to provide for me the way that I've decided He has to provide for me. It means that I need to open my eyes to see that Hashem might be providing for me or enabling me to succeed or opening doors to me that I don't see at first. Not what I was expecting. I might have to change my expectation to be able to see that. And I think that's why it's shifting. The t- in, in this Mizmor it says, my, my help doesn't come from anything in this world. It comes ultimately from Hashem. It might take the form of something in this world. Meaning, 
Um, it, it might take, it might be through something in this world that Hashem provides His help, of course. But it's not that I put my trust in that particular thing. I never put my trust in any particular thing because any particular thing can fail me. Any person can fail me. Any situation can change. Any possession can be lost. Anything that I place my trust in can, uh, you know, may or may not come through. But Hashem will always come through. If the one, I, if the one avenue that I thought was going to be the avenue towards success fails, there's always other opportunities there if I'm willing to adapt and to seek them and to see them. Okay, that I believe is what this Mizmor is really getting at. So in that way, it's more of an inspirational message. The message is if you and, and we have an, a similar Mizmor actually that we read during the Psukei uh, Dezimra every day, which is one of the last, when we read Psukei Dezimra and Shacharit, we're reading the last five Mizmorim of Tehilim, and the one that says, Halali nafshiat Hashem, my soul will praise Hashem, um, and we say, Al don't trust in the nobleman, the rich guy said he's going to give me a job, no problem, my, my, uh, my, my parents are successful. They'll be able to provide for me. My in-laws are successful. They'll be able to provide for me. I have this comfort. I have this luxury. Whatever it is that you think is absolute that's going to provide for you, don't trust it. The day that that person passes from this world, they're not going to be there anymore for you. Meaning that if you trust in an individual, you're, that individual is just as much subject to the ups and downs of life as you are. So if that individual loses what they have, or that individual leaves the world, they can't provide that security to you anymore. And that's why it says, Happy is the person. I'm reading from Mizmor Kuf Mem Vav, which is towards the end of Tehilim also. Happy is the person who trusts in Hashem. The same theme. Hashem is the one that made the heavens and the earth. He made the ocean and everything in it. He's the one. He takes care of the oppressed. He gives bread to the hungry. He opens the eyes of the blind and so on and so forth. The idea is that if you trust in an individual, if you trust in a particular means by which God is going to provide for you, like you think that this, in, this person is going to provide for you, they're going to be your helper. They're going to be your savior. They're going to be your security. So this job is the only way that I'm ever going to be able to be happy. This community is the only way I'm ever going to be happy. This house is the only way. This specific way is the only way. So then you're tying yourself to a particular. But if you open your eyes and you see that there's many ways in which Hashem, we say, Hashem has many different messengers that He can send to make a person successful and to protect them. Then you've opened your eyes and you've seen that, uh, that, that you don't need to be intimidated because the possibilities of, Hash- of salvation from Hashem are endless. You're limited in your ability to envision them sometimes because you're looking for something highly specific. Look at the story. I always like to quote the story. I think we also talked about it in this when we talked about Shara Bitachon, that David Melech fighting Goliath, when David goes against Goliath, against Goliath, okay, he was very... Everyone else was intimidated. Everyone else was afraid. And everyone said, how can this little twerp kid, David, go against this giant with all this armor? It's impossible. It's a suicide mission. Are you crazy to do it? David said, I'm going to do it. And we saw that when we learned that story, we saw that he changed the entire framework that everyone was thinking in. Because everyone was looking at it as a conventional battle between two soldiers that nobody was up to being able to face Goliath. But David and Melech saw it differently. He said, it's somebody standing in uh, representing Hashem 
against a person who is an instinctual base individual. Somebody who is not on the level of a relationship with Hashem. And Hashem is going to help me because, because David said, he said, they tried to put armor on David. He said, I don't want the armor. I can't even walk with the armor. It's too heavy. Okay? And he's just a young kid. Not even a, he wasn't even drafted into the army. He wasn't qualified. He was too, uh, too dainty. I don't know. He, he, wasn't, he wasn't the type of person to go to the army. His brothers were saying, why are you here? And yet he was the one who defeated Goliath because he was able to see outside of the conventional and see Hashem is going to bring about the salvation because I, I know that Hashem will be with me. He's giving me the tools to overcome this challenge. And what did he do? He basically pushed all of the buttons of Goliath to make him really angry. Goliath charged at him. And then David just took out a slingshot and killed him. Completely outside of the box thinking. That's why he was able to succeed because he thought out of the box. And that's what it means. If you think in conventional terms, you limit yourself. But if you think that the possibilities are endless, then you're always able to see the salvation that is there for you. And that's what it means. Hashem never sleeps and never slumbers. He's always providing you with those opportunities, opening those doors. You're not ready maybe to walk through it. But if you know that it's there and you don't trust in any particular thing in this world and you don't fear any particular thing, but you place your trust in Hashem and you recognize that He's the one ultimately that's running the world, that way you're protected from the... That's Yishmoret Nafshecha. He guards your soul. Meaning that's really the, the real... Guard, the the uh, protection that he gives you is he gives you the ability to have the right perspective to succeed and he guards your soul. He gives you the right orientation and way to see the world that you're able to rise to every occasion because of that. And I think that's what Shirla Malot is really supposed to make a person think. It's supposed to make a person think about how I shouldn't expect help to I shouldn't say this person is my savior, this person is my salvation. I should say I shouldn't be looking at anyone who has the same limitations that I have that they're going to save me. But instead I should realize that Hashem is ultimately the one who's going to be my protector and the one who saves me and the one who helps me. I just have to be open to seeing that help and that protection coming in ways that I wasn't expecting it to come. And I, and so that's the that's the mizmor of, of Kuf Kaf Aleph. The other one that we often read that I wanted to touch upon was Kuf uh, was um, Kuf Lamed, another Shir Hama Alot. The other one was Shir Lama Alot, the Shir Hama, and they're also very famous. Mimamakim Krati Hashem. Okay, also very famous. Read it on the Aseret Yemei Tishuvah, ten days of repentance. It's also read a lot of times when we're in dire straits, when we're in very great difficulty, and we need to say it filah for someone. Mimamakim Krati Hashem. From the depths I call you Hashem. So this person also is in, what, is in a situation. This is Kuf Lamed. This is 130. The person says, I am in a situation of, I feel overwhelmed also. The depths means I feel very low. Right? I feel overwhelmed with whatever is going on. Hashem shim'a bekoli. Hashem hear my voice. Tiena oznecha kashuvot lekol tachronai. May your ears be attentive to the sound of my supplications. If you were to guard sins, meaning if you preserve sins, if you keep them in mind and don't forgive them, who could stand? Who could, who could survive? With you is forgiveness that you should be feared. We're going to come back to the Pasuk, whatever that means. I hoped or yearned for Hashem. My soul hoped. And for his word, I, I, I yearned. My soul 
is pining for Hashem like those who wait for the morning. Some people say that that means people who wait for the morning, meaning the guards who are watching the city all night and are waiting for the morning so they can go to sleep. Or it means that uh, it means people who get up early to pray until the morning. Okay? The Jewish people should hope to Hashem. Because with Hashem is kindness and a lot of salvation. He will save Israel from all of its iniquities, from all of its sins. Now what do you notice in this, Ms. Moore, that was not in the other one? One theme that was totally not in Shilam Alot that's in this one. There's a very different tone to this one. This one is a lot different. It's a lot more somber. I feel like Shilam Alot is a lot more upbeat. It's like I, I look for my help. My help is from Hashem. And, and He's going to guard me. And He never sleeps in slumbers. And He always gives me the opportunity. This is a little different. There's a word in here that repeats also a few times. Or at least uh, uh, in one form or another the theme repeats a few times. The word maybe only repeats twice, but uh, do you see a different theme here? Avonot. Here the theme is sins. The person says, I'm in, I'm in a low place right now. Im avonot tishmor ya Hashem yamod. If Hashem, you, you guard, if you preserve avonot, if you preserve iniquity and sin, how can anybody survive? Okay, so Avonot is really a, uh, here the person is taking responsibility on a different level for the situation that they found themselves in. That we didn't see before in Shilam Alot. Right, in Shilam Alot we don't know what the pers- why the person feels that they need help. It might not be of any fault of their own. But here the person is, ex- is implying that what? That they did something wrong. Because the person is saying, I'm in the depths of despair here. A self-created, maybe. Self-created despair. Because the person says, Hashem If Hashem, you are not willing to let go of the sins that I've done, if you hold on to them and you preserve them, how can anybody stand? How can anybody survive? If you really hold us accountable for our every mistake. The way that most of the commentaries interpret that. What does it mean? With you is forgiveness, so you should be feared. You could say the opposite. If Hashem forgives you, we won't fear Him. Because the person will say, well, Hashem's going to forgive me, so I won't fear Him. What does it mean that forgiveness is with you so you will be feared? It means Hashem forgives a person so they can develop further in their closeness to Hashem. Meaning, what is the reason Hashem forgives us? We say in Yom Kippur, Hashem releases us from our sins, our guilt, year after year. Why? Because he wants to give us the opportunity to serve him better so that we can grow more. You forgive us so we can fear you. In other words, we, you forgive us, you give us another chance, another opportunity to grow. So the person who recognizes that is already a very high level person. They're saying, I realize that I created problems for myself and the mistakes that I made. I put myself in a crisis. I put myself in a terrible circumstance that as a result of errors that I made and sins that I committed. But Hashem, I'm saying to you, don't hold it against me because it will be impossible for a human being who is imperfect to survive if you preserve our sins. And after all, you grant forgiveness so that we have the opportunity to serve you. If you destroy us because of our sins, so then there's no opportunity to learn from our mistakes and to become better and to serve you better. So that's a difference, you see, 
Most people come to Yom Kippur or they come to a situation of forgiveness self-centeredly. They say, I'm afraid that Hashem is going to punish me for what I've done wrong. Just like a child is afraid to get caught for what they've done wrong. And so they beg and plead that they be released, they be forgiven, so they don't get punished. That's how most, many people, I, would, I don't know if I want to say most, but many people approach uh, forgiveness from God. But, something else. Hashem, you, give, you forgive us so you can be feared. In other words, I want your forgiveness because I realize I've gone wrong in my life and I want another chance to come closer to you. I want more good. It's not that I just want to be released from punishment. I recognize the real purpose of the forgiveness that you grant is that we be able to serve you better. In fact, if you look at the Ne'ilah prayer that we read on Yom Kippur at the end, that's exactly what it says. It says, Hashem gave us the day of Yom Kippur so that we would stop Me'oshek Yadenu. So that a person will let go, the man yechdal me'oshek, that will let go of the uh, uh, of the uh, uh, of iniquity. We'll get, we'll, we'll, we'll be able to cleanse ourselves and to rededicate ourselves to serving God. That's the reason. Otherwise, a person would say they're lost. I've sinned so much anyway. I'm lost. What's the point of even trying? No, means it's not hopeless. It's not lost. Even though I made a lot of mistakes and I dug myself a deep hole, I can still get out of it. Because Hashem wants me to rise up out of it and to do better. That's the incredible thing. And so therefore, he says, that's why now it makes sense. What does it mean my soul hopes for Hashem? I yearn for His word. It means I want to be close to God. I yearn to Lidvaro. I want to be able to follow His word, follow His Torah, follow His mitzvot. Okay, that, that's the... That's the content. I'm yearning for that connection with Hashem like the way that people yearn for the morning through a dark night. They're waiting for the morning. I feel like I'm in a dark night waiting for the morning because I feel like I'm this, this person feels distant from God. This person feels that they have pulled themselves away from Hashem dug themselves a pit that they're so far from the light they're in a deep cave or something like that that's me and they want to reconnect with Hashem okay and they, they, they're, they're asking Hashem to give them a chance to do it just like a person in the dark night you could imagine that it's talking about the dark night of separation from Hashem or the dark night of galut of exile doesn't matter night means a time where we don't have Clarity. Night means a time where we're lost, where we feel abandoned, where we feel vulnerable, where we feel weak, where we feel cut off from the light, which is the light here really is symbolizing Hashem's presence. That's what the light is that's missing. Okay? And so, the, and, and if, if you think about it, in the pitch dark, pitch black, there's very few things you can do. Why, do, why when the power goes out, it like paralyzes us? Because as soon as it gets dark, it's like we don't feel like we can do anything. We're, we're almost helpless without light. It's really hard without light to function. I remember when I was li- very little, I was like five or six years old, there was, an, uh, there was a power outage on Thanksgiving. And we sat in the total dark with candles eating the food. It was the weirdest experience ever. It was like not a feeling of a Thanksgiving. I was living in Washington State at the time. I was very little, I was like five or six. And I remember it was the weirdest feeling. Darkness, you're, a person really feels that they can't fully enjoy or engage with what they're doing. Here, the idea of darkness is that the person feels lost in their relationship with God. And then he turns to the Jewish people and says, Yachil Yisrael el Hashem. The Jewish people should yearn for the connection with Hashem. 
because with Hashem comes kindness and salvation. And He will save Israel from all of its all of its mistakes, all of its iniquities, all of its sins. In other words, this person, David Melech or whoever, is being. Is, it, it could either be David Melech talking about his personal situation, or he's just giving us an example of a person who has created for themselves a pit that they're stuck in, that they're crying out to God. They want to be better. They want forgiveness because they want another opportunity to reconnect to God. But then the person uses the example and says, Yachel Yisrael el Hashem. Just like I am yearning for God, and that yearning and desire to connect to God is what's pulling me, is what's giving me the motivation to pull myself up towards the morning and the light of, of the relationship with God. The Jewish people, I'm just one individual, but the Jewish people as a whole should do the same. The Jewish people should yearn for that connection with Hashem. And then Hashem will save the Jews from all their sins. Meaning to say that when we desire forgiveness, not just to get ourselves off the hook, not just so that we avoid punishment, but because we realize that we've created roadblocks and, 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 and we've created obstacles in our relationship with Hashem, we've messed up our relationship with Hashem and we want it back, then then Hashem is going to save us from all of our sins. That's what it means. With you is forgiveness, so that you will be feared. Not meaning that people will be afraid of you because you grant forgiveness. That's the opposite. Someone grants forgiveness, you're not afraid of them. But it means the reason you grant forgiveness is to give us an opportunity to come closer to you. And that, I think, is what this Mizmor is talking about. It's saying, so a person, so if, if you think about it, these two Mizmorim, they're both about a person who feels helpless. One of them is more neutral. It's about a person who feels helpless in their life. They feel vulnerable. They feel lost. Maybe they're lacking support. They feel like nobody's helping them. They feel alone. I, mean, I think when I think of the first Mizmor of Shilam Malot, I think of Yosef HaTzadik in Mitzrayim, you know? He doesn't know. There's nobody there for him. He's really on his own. There's nobody there to help him. There's nobody there to protect him. He has to watch his back all the time. And he turns to the Salamashkim, to the wine steward, and he starts unloading all of his emotional troubles of his life on this guy. And, and it says because he did that and trusted in the wine steward, he had to spend two more years in the jail, right? Because he didn't trust in God. He, would, he thought the wine steward was going to be his savior. Now, if he had just let the wine steward go and hadn't said anything, probably the wine steward would have been a savior because he would have been so impressed that Yosef interpreted the dream. But because he unloaded all of his emotional baggage and he complained and kvetched to the wine steward, that turned the wine steward off and he looked down at him and he didn't want to help him. Okay? But he was looking for, where's my help going to come? And he got attached to this guy. That's who I think of always when I think of my voice. So the first Mizmur Kuf Kaf Aleph is about a person who needs help, who needs support, who needs protection, who feels alone at what they're doing. And, 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 what they, what, and it's saying, when you're feeling like that, you should recognize Hashem is the one with you. Don't look for a person to save you. Yes, the salvation might come in the form of a person or in the form of a situation in, in this world. But it's ultimately coming from the source of this world. Osei Shemayim Barat. So that's the one you should trust. So that you never get too attached or too dependent on any of the factors in this world. Or any of the people in this world. Who are sent here as messengers from Hashem perhaps, but are not the ultimate. So that's, that's the first Mizmor. The second one is talking about a person... And, and you see that in both of them, the personal experience of the, per, of the author is transformed into a more universal experience for the Jewish people. Because he also says, 
Israel, the one who guards Israel. He's not just thinking about himself, but he's saying it's something true for all of the Jewish people. In Mimamakim Kratich Hashem, in Kuflam at 1.30, we also find uh, somebody who's crying out to Hashem, but more from a place of lowliness. Not just from a place of, of loneliness, like I feel like Kuf Kafalaf is the guy who feels lonely and he needs help and he needs support. And Kuf Lamed, it's a person who feels that they've lowered themselves. Mimamakim, I'm in the depths of, of the muck and the dirt that I, 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 I dug myself a pit here and I'm in trouble because of mistakes that I've made and I have no way to get out of them. And I've really created a terrible mess for myself in my life. So people sometimes feel like that. And I don't know how to get out of it. And that person is saying, Hashem, hear me. I really, I know that you, you can grant forgiveness. If you don't grant forgiveness, then existence for a human being who's imperfect is impossible. But if you grant forgiveness, I'll use it for the right thing. I'll use it to serve you better and come closer to you. And that's because I yearn to, to be, to fulfill my potential and to live according to your word. And then again, we use that experience as a universal experience for the Jewish people. That the Jewish people, when they're even caught even when they're caught in the depths of sins and mistakes and, and wrongheadedness and materialism or whatever it is that's holding us back, we're able to cry out to God from that place, that spiritual place, that spiritual darkness, like Shomrim Laboker, like we're waiting for the morning. And from that place, Hashem can help us be lifted out. Because we're yearning for forgiveness, because we're yearning to connect to Him, he can help lift the entire Jewish people out of their self-created crisis just the same way he can help us lift ourselves out of a self-created spiritual crisis. So, so these two Mizmorim are both um, beautiful Mizmorim in their own right, but they also give us a way to think about situations in life, a situation where a person feels that they're alone and that they don't have help and they don't have support where they should look for it. They should know that their ultimate help and support comes from Hashem. Anything that they see in this world is a detail. It's not the ultimate. That's the attitude to have. And when a person feels that they're lost, that there's no hope for them, that they've made so many mistakes they can't pick themselves up, they're so distant from God, they're in a pit a million miles away from God, they should realize that that's not true. That Hashem will give them another chance that if they're yearning to live according to his word, he will give them another chance and he'll give the Jewish people another chance when they, are, um, when they find themselves in the same position and they want to return to him. Yes? Yeah, I, I think because um, the, the reason I picked them was for that reason. You know, and I think because uh, th- there could be many reasons why they were selected, but I think they both point to the, um, a, a person needing to uh, express or to focus on, number one, that their ultimate help and salvation comes from Hashem. And that's part of what we have to do, even though we have to go to doctors, let's say, when someone is sick or, or something like that, still we recognize that ultimately everything is in the hands of Hashem, including whether the doctor succeeds or not. And then secondly, the Mimamakim Kratich Hashem is saying, even if we feel unworthy of Hashem's intervention because we feel that we've done things wrong, we, we've sinned. We, we don't want to come to Hashem and act as if we've done perfectly and we're deserving of His help, but we know that our intention is right. We want this salvation for this person or for ourselves so that we can use our lives in the service of Hashem. And so I think that these two Mizmorim express that idea. First of all, 
whom to trust, trust in Hashem, and recognize that whoever's working to solve the problem is a, an instrument of Hashem, but is not the ultimate. And secondly, to realize that even if a person has fallen, uh, feels distant from God, there's always opportunity to rekindle that relationship. And a lot of times it's at the time of, of illness that we, we recognize that because we think about what, why do I want to continue to live? What am I living for? And maybe a person when they're sick feels like maybe I'm not worthy of God's intervention. Maybe I, uh, maybe I don't deserve it. So I think these Mizmorim help us focus on um, you know, the right sort of perspective to come to these distressing experiences with. And, um, and, and maybe that's why they're so popular. But also the fact that they are very short and to the point and uh, you know, easy to say and easy to focus on. There are many Mizmorim that are very, very long also beautiful, but very long, and would be harder to, don't capture a simple point in, in, in such a succinct uh, way. So, uh, so in that way, it, they, work, they work perfectly for, for Cholim. But of course, there's many other Mizmorim also that we sometimes say for, uh, uh, for different situations that, that speak to those situations. But I think these are two that are such common experiences of distress. The practical experience of distress and loneliness and isolation and the spiritual feeling of, of distress that that uh, reflects. Both of these are types of distress that we have and the, the, and in and Tehillim is trying to help us to put them in the right perspective. How we should respond to them, how we should think of them. You know? Okay, so Bezvat Hashem will continue next week and uh, 